0: We are recording on Thursday, June 8th, 2023 at 5.10, 5.11 p.m. Eastern Time with Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Stephen Hatfield. And just beforehand, we were talking about Upton Sinclair, who I really discovered for the first time back in January, reading his books, The Jungle, about the meatpacking industry in Chicago, as well as Oil, which is another great book about well digging and um. Dr. Malone, you said that he has a book that's really could you kind of just explain that again to to what you explained to me beforehand. So
1: he co-authored a book towards the end
0: of his career after the jungle, as
1: I recall, uh, called Aerosmith, A-R-R-O-W-S-M-I-T-H, not A-E-R-O-W-S-M-I-T-H, just for (laughs) Steven's clarification Um, uh, so he doesn't get uh, confused with his uh, vinyl collection. and, uh, and and Aerosmith, Aerosmith, is a is a fascinating work, and it really, uh, in a in a, a, novel form, documents the transition in medicine, uh, with the rise of the Rockefeller Foundation, and uh, the transition of uh, medicine from the country doctor treating patients directly. To uh, modern high-tech uh, infectious disease, uh, in which uh, the the pivotal um, uh, element of the book is a outbreak in the Bahamas, as I recall, of a plague-like illness that takes out a bunch of people, and uh, Martin Aerosmith, the protagonist, uh, goes against the grain, uh, bucks the establishment, and uh, um saves the day by developing a get this bacteriophage based treatment uh which is deployed in the island he's of course vilified uh and uh railroaded and all the other things that we've come to uh know and love and uh uh goes on to create uh his own kind of private institute but uh much of the book uh, is informed by events that happened with the formation of the Rockefeller. Uh, so it's, it's a, an amazing historic document that is a perfect segue to our segment today where we're going to be talking about uh, biodefense and pandemic preparedness because it reminds us that uh, so many things that we think are new today are just uh, recycled versions of what was new yesterday. In this case, in the in the 30s and 40s,
0: that's um, that's one thing Upton Sinclair, really. And I've brought that up on the show before is the real takeaway I've got from him is that there's nothing new under the sun. It's just it's the same corruption. It's the same. Hum- humans be humans, humans, <laughs> humans be humans, philosopher Robert Malone um, and 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 Dr. Hatfield, could you maybe because so yesterday, Dr. Hatfield and I spoke kind of extensively about the 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 corruption and the ineptitude of uh of the white house during during the pandemic um dr hatfield do you think that that could tie into anything that dr malone just said
2: well the whole system's become for lack of a better word disordered oh Steve don't
1: don't hold back
2: (laughs) (laughs) really really it's a bad thing but I mean, it's everything from the medical journals, I mean, half these papers that were published should never have made it through a proper peer review. And, the, and, and half of the
1: ones that weren't published that were blocked should have.
2: Yes. And then you find out Janet Woodcock is on the editorial board of the New England Journal of Medicine. And you wonder why, you know, the O'Neill group in Detroit in 2020 made a major breakthrough showing that if you were given hydroxychloroquine when you came into hospital in the emergency room without waiting for testing, based on based on a clinician's judgment, that the mortality rate improved 51 to 60%. And this was closely fo- followed by studies from Mount Sinai and a very large Spanish study which is showing like 62% improvement in mortality. This is groundbreaking, pioneering, man-on-the-moon information. And the New England Journal of Medicine turned it down. Their excuse was, in personal communications, oh, well, we published too many papers on, on, on COVID-19 and hydroxychloroquine. So there you go. It was turned down by JAMA. Uh, finally, Journal of Infectious Diseases picked it up. And then the, they sat on it for weeks, because according to the editor of the controversy, it would generate. Now, where is the word medicine in any of this description?
1: Or it didn't or, exist. or patient treatment or evidence based medicine or any of those uh, things that we were supposedly uh, so concerned with. Exactly. Robert, exactly. Or
0: do no it's, harm. Or yeah. do no harm.
1: That, 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 that little yeah. thing. Yeah. The, the fundamental pillars of bioethics have just
2: been destroyed. Um, yeah. And so has the trust of the American people. You know, we've got H5N1 bird flu vaccine stockpiled. We got enough for every person in the United States as last I looked, which was a couple of years ago. And um, nobody's going to take it.
0: Yeah, no. It's it, it's been a, every aspect, and that's one thing I've <clears throat> I've kind of brought. Up. I know it's not an original idea, but it's the you know the real cost that we're not seeing the back end cost is that the reputation, right? You know, a reputation is disproportionate in that it takes forever to build, and you can lose it very quickly. The reputation of doctors of the that elegant white coat. Of, yeah. you know, the doctor's going to, regardless of how you vote, regardless of what you look like, the doctor's going to treat you. Saint and sinner are the same, right? You come into the ER with a the gunshot. They're not caring about who you are. They don't care if you're a gangbanger. They're going to treat you. That whole thing has been built up uh, and with good merit for well over a century. And in about three years, they've taken a blowtorch to most of it. And now... You have doctors who are genuinely going to say, hey, you, you know, you should probably take some penicillin for that infection. You're going to have some guy whose little brother died of myocarditis at 15. He's going to be saying, screw you, doc. Yeah. Okay, well, now what's well, the problem?
1: Beyond beyond that, um, I'm hearing on the other side, okay, uh, again and again and again, patient reports, particularly parents, taking their child to the pediatrician um. And uh, being queried about whether or not the child is fully up on their vaccine shots, whether they took uh, the uh, r- routine interventions at birth, um, and if they say no, those pediatricians are saying, "Well, then we can't treat your child. I cannot have your ch- child in this practice." I mean, that's that's a, just a body blow. Um, that's that's that is again the new normal in in pediatric medicine is uh because i think one of the drivers is the financial incentives for pediatricians they they get bonuses if they get their um patient population on aggregate above a certain level of totally compliant with the cdc vaccination schedule and so if it looks like they're they've got a patient that is not going to comply fully with the cdc vaccine schedule they don't want them because it's going to cost them money.
2: Yeah, it's it's even worse than that. The um, I can't remember what, whether it was Chris Farrell or Judicial Watch or Alina at America's First Legal, but they foiled a Freedom of Information Act. They foiled a bunch of documents, and after they had to sue to get them to drag them out of these out of the CDC, and they found emails and evidence that. The CDC was trying to educate people uh, how to give the child in schools, how to give the child the vaccine without the parents' permission. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> yep. I, I, I had a meeting with a, a very delightful and knowledgeable Senator a couple months ago. And, and I told him until people start going to jail over this, no one in this country is going to trust medicine anymore.
1: Oh, uh, I'm I'm gonna be holding my breath until that happens for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's I mean it's the same thing. It's kind of like the uh it's the demoralization that, you know, not one banker or regulator went to jail after two thousand eight. Yeah. Iceland could do it, but we can't. And it is there's a certain it crushes your soul when you look at this and just nothing nothing yeah. happens. It just Well can't. Hillary can take a hammer
2: to hard drives and cell phones. Yeah. But, you know, yeah,
0: no, you can't President lie.
2: Trump can't keep his own documents yeah, you can't in a secure location.
0: Yeah, 120 people die of suicide in your vicinity. It's just a funny coincidence. Yeah, no, there's it's a two-tier level of justice. And it makes me think of a quote which I stumbled upon a week or two ago. I think it's by Voltaire, so it's not new. But it's those who can convince you to believe absurdities can convince you to do perform atrocities i think yes and it is i know that quote and we're kind of seeing the absurdity of covid right and very quickly man very quickly it's to believe to to perform atrocities i mean gender affirming care for and if you're an adult dude do whatever you want i'm all for it but for children and to do it behind their parents backs it is i mean this is outrageous we're diving into i mean this is this is a level of dante's hell is what we're getting into
1: So uh, today, we have the honor of the esteemed Dr. Hatfield, um, who I am not going to uh, confront with his relationships with the intelligence community, um, but uh, respect that he has deep insight into various aspects of the government, and uh, he has agreed to speak with us about um, pandemic preparedness, a topic that he is eminently qualified to speak on. And I think that's something of uh, that that topic and his insights are something that I look forward to learning from every opportunity I get. So I, I hope that uh, we get a chance now to talk about that and don't uh, get too caught up I'll let, down yeah, holes.
0: I'll let you start talk I'll let you two start talking because I have nothing of value to add to this conversation. So I'm gonna let you guys go for it and I'm just gonna watch. Talk to that phil. Stone silence. <laughs> what's what's what's
1: your take on where things stand right now uh, i keep oh, getting i keep getting pings on twitter and whatnot of you know are they about to deploy you know fill in the blank um uh you know t- yesterday it was tb uh tomorrow it's uh some advanced engineered smallpox uh you know this, this is constant um rolling boil of paranoia uh and fear uh, and, and then on the, in the background of that, we have the IHRs and the Pandemic Preparedness Treaty, as if we weren't already edgy enough.
2: Robert, this WHO-IHR treaty, you know, the WHO, they're not the United Nations. They're affiliated with the United Nations. They, ha- they have no power. It's a bunch of bureaucrats in a multi-story building that... Take the money from signatory countries. Look, they do do some good. And, and pharma. And pharma. Oh, well, I'm sorry to forget that. Yeah. But they do do some, you know, good rural health stuff, you know, low level in Africa. I've, I've seen the stuff. But we also found a lot of WHO products in the terrorist camps during one of the guerrilla wars during the 80s. Just WHO stuff and supplies and medicines all over the show, in a terrorist training camp in Mozambique. So, go figure. It's bureaucrats, they shuffle paper. They're not capable of rapid response to anything. In the 2014 Ebola um, debacle, they were trying to run this from hundreds of miles away from their central office. I get called into Kenya. Well, I, I, um, I was the medical director for a company in London. And I get a phone call one day, get on the plane, here's your flight. Okay, where am I going? Kenya. Get off at of Kenya, met, escorted through customs. This isn't like the diplomat level. And they had had a case of Ebola come over and collapse out in the joseph kenyatta international airport and the doctors ran away well that would do it yeah that'll do it so we put on like i was over there quite a while training up their hemorrhagic response team and this is all over and uh, i'm I'm looking on the internet for something and i run into who and what a wonderful job they did in kenya and I'm like, I've, I've got contacts now there. Right? <laughs> so I, I start phoning some senior people. I said, no, we've never seen them. Yeah. What they did was they went over and trained their own office staff, uh, basic barrier precaution. <laughs> That's all they did. Um, it's a joke. And it's so, past time that it was brought into control. So you
1: probably remember the former assistant director. I think her name was Marie Polichini. Is that right? Do you remember that?
2: No. Okay, I'm old so now. <laughs>
1: I, I did have quite a bit. So, this is in the same outbreak. So, I saw, I touched the elephant in different places. Uh, let's not go too far with that metaphor. Or um,
2: uh, reach around. <laughs> uh, like a gentleman.
1: During that same outbreak. And um, uh, so, she was the assistant director and uh, in charge of their response. And uh, my clients were. Uh, first task, TASC, which of course had a contract with DITRA, and uh, then I resigned from Task and with the active facilitation, wink, wink, nod, nod, of DITRA, uh, parachuted almost literally into Ames, Iowa to uh, facilitate the uh, activities of a company called New Link Genetics, uh, which had purchased a Ebola vaccine candidate from Public Health Agency Canada. Uh, together for $150,000. Uh, they called it free boulder because nobody wanted to fund it. And uh, and uh, I, I'm not sure which of, uh, company you're referencing in the UK, but certainly GSK was actively involved in these matters and uh, believed that they had the leading candidate adenoviral vector vaccine. Uh, and, um, and this... Uh, this backdoor, uh, toxic, nasty vaccine uh, based on vesticular stomatitis virus that this little company in Ames, Iowa had acquired, but which had a bunch of GMP grade uh, material uh, stockpiled in vials, uh, um, uh, shouldn't be considered. Uh, But in fact, that ended up after I pitched it to Merck uh and julie gerberding that they ended yeah. Merck ended up buying it and that became the Ebola vaccine but there was a period of time there where it got really dicey that gsk was really throwing around its weight yeah um and uh i i did get a uh this is another one of those uh cia contact stories um involving a, a former officer of a uh, organization called argus that you probably know about um and uh he alerted me that uh, there was SIGINTEL that uh, GSK was chattering, that they actually couldn't manufacture the damn vaccine, <laughs> um, and they were busy advocating it and telling uh, WHO that all others should be shut down. But uh, relevant to your story, what happened at the time was that uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, which was doing much of the treatment in West Africa at that particular point in time, um, together with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, So Samaritan's Purse personnel got freaked out and uh, bailed out of West Africa on short notice despite their quarantine terms and conditions and jumped on planes for Manhattan uh, without going through proper quarantine. Uh, And everybody was apparently okay with that. And uh, the um, medicine sans frontier groups stationed in the area got so freaked out because, as you know, Stephen, Ebola is a scary disease. It makes people go <laughs> batshit crazy. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, with guns and things.
2: It, like that. No, it's it's fr- it's frightening <laughs> when they bleed out, or you don't understand. There's profuse cholera-like diarrhea. I mean, it it's hard. Bloody. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, so. Uh, what happened was the Medicine Sans Frontières uh, medical care providers were also bailing out and heading back to France. And Marie Polichini was getting desperate because she was losing her troops on the front lines mm-hmm. uh, for managing this. And so her proposal was to take this untested VSV vaccine that she happened to have a bunch of donated vials for that had never been clinically tested, and just start jabbing the MSF personnel willy nilly and sending them back to the front lines. Yeah. and and I had to I had this meeting in her office, uh, where she literally it was a it was a um, Khrushchev moment. She mm-hmm. was pounding on the table in her office. This vaccine has to be taken away from the Americans. Um, and I because we would not allow her. To take this totally untested medical product and run and with jab it, jab it into MSF people without any clinical trials at all, yeah. and no records of what was going to come out of that. Yeah. Um, and because uh, I think that she was totally, she's she's from a veterinarian background, veterinary vaccinologist. Um, uh, her claim to fame was uh, rabies baits for bats and foxes. You remember the fox story with the rabies baits? So that was what got her to be. Uh, Assistant Director General of of WHO. Right. Uh, And um, so she wanted to chat those poor MSF folks. And you probably recall that that VSV
2: vaccine was a nasty piece of work. Well, here's the (laughs) thing, Robert. Vesticular stomatitis virus, why it was picked is that the cell surface receptor for this is on most cells in the body. Yeah. So you want to inject this and have your brain cells infected with like the outer glycoprotein of you know i mean come
1: I'm on hell. yeah i know but that's that's i mean that speaks to the ethics and the uh comprehension of yeah. the who that the world wants to put so much trust into yeah and mr tedros uh and then um one of the other fascinating stories from that history uh that i live so this is firsthand
2: yeah
1: we were in a meeting uh with the director general and the assistant director general, and a whole bunch of diplomats, uh, some of which I'm absolutely positive are uh, of the intelligence community stripe.
2: Oh, it's riddled with it. Uh, it's riddled um, with
1: uh, and, um, and it was decided. I had put together the first Gantt chart for for pulling this new VAX. Uh, okay. And, and uh, they decided that, well, this had merit, and we needed to move it forward. So we finally, we won that. Uh, um, Uh, Hefner gets gets some credit for that. Hefner, Ray Hefner, remember? Uh, And um, so we got them to say yes. And then the director general comes over and puts the pinch on the CEO of this little Ames, Iowa-based company that's really focused on cancer therapeutics and uh, tries to twist his arm to get a donation to the WHO now that they're going to be one of the accepted candidates. It was was a total pay-for-play Uh, And the outcome of that was that we went home and I put together a slide deck for them and I said, basically, guys, you've got three choices. Um, You can do nothing and Africa will burn. Number two, you can get on uh, the stick and become heroes of the world and get this thing moved through, but it's not going to be easy and you have to deal with BARDA or you can sell it to Merck. And they're like, easy answer, sell to Merck. And they got out (laughs) Uh, and it was in part because, uh, you know, what an overwhelming thing if you're a a biotech startup to suddenly be confronted with the truth of what the WHO is. It's a big shakedown operation.
2: It's a shakedown. It's a shakedown. And the unfortunate fact is uh, the CDC seem incapable of doing anything until the WHO likes it, or if they do do it, the WHO won't do anything until after the CDC does it. And we've seen this and, you know, they didn't want to call the H1N1 a a pandemic of concern. And uh, the Ebola, they sat on it. Yep. Various reasons.
1: Um, One of the things that was fascinating also about that Ebola play was that uh, it was absolute so there was like five different ebola vaccine candidates and there was a meeting of powwow um in the executive branch where they doled out the goodies these are the ones that tony is going to get to work on these are the ones that cdc is going to get to work on and the dog in the in the pack the one that was just the lowly uh mangy thing this vsv vaccine was given to the lowly mangy incompetent dod which uh, they, they were like, um, oh, please don't throw me in that briar patch, no. knowing that, that it was on the, on the doorstep of phase one trials and already had clinical grade material. Um, and, uh, and that turned out to be winning. And uh, so of course, uh, the White House made a huge announcement about the success and competence of the Department of Defense team in DITRA in yeah. moving this sport, No, I'm sorry, that was a, in a parallel universe. Um, they uh, made a determination that DOD should get no credit for this, that all credit should go to HHS and BARDA, um, which had, which basically did everything they could to block it. Um, and uh, um, the justification was because DOD had, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say it screwed the pooch with the uh, studies that were done to track down uh, the genetics of Mr. Uh, bin Laden in uh, Pakistan by doing their uh, surreptitious vaccine genetic studies?
2: You know, uh, the vaccine was, I think it was the VSV, if I'm not mistaken. It was developed at Fort Dietrich.
1: I'm sure Dietrich had their thumbs in they, that. They did. They... It was
2: right after I left there. Yeah. And... Uh, um, some really good people were behind that. I mean- It's,
1: it's, it's hot, um, there's no question. It is pro-inflammatory um, and, and you wish, that's so why I, I use it all the time as, a, as an example when people talk about risk benefit for vaccines. Yeah. And, and what I say is, you, you may recall, Osterholm was uh, making the noise oh, God. that this, this was, yes, yes, uh, that this was oh, a respiratory transmitted variant of Ebola and uh, Gray Hepner called me just after getting out from a Pentagon briefing, and yeah. he about lost his shorts, uh, because <laughs> there was a scenario that uh, I actually pulled off the side of the road as I was driving to Ames, Iowa. Yeah. Um, Heppner just breathlessly saying, um, I've just come out of this meeting in the Pentagon, and if this is actually a respiratory Ebola, transmitted Ebola, the scenario is a billion dead globally. Um, oh, and so- and you've got to expedite this vaccine. I mean, that's no pressure. Um and
2: uh so <laughs> You can't make this up, Robert. <laughs> oh, you it's can't it's make all real. Up. It's all
1: lived experience.
2: Yeah.
1: And and so that that was the belief system then. And so I use that as an example. If we had if this uh coronavirus was a akin in its pathogenicity. And infectiousness to a respiratory-transmitted Ebola. Yeah, I guarantee that there would be lines around the block, like for Star Wars, to take the nastiest of vaccines that I have ever known of. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, maybe yellow fever. Um, uh, that being this uh, VSV vaccine, yeah. because in the face of death from Ebola, yeah, people would jump at it. Yeah, but the problem is that this was not respiratory Ebola. It was barely a flu.
2: But Um, you need to to also understand, it depends on which way the mainstream media goes.
1: Well, their
2: influence on this whole thing has just been, and these people are wackadoos. Yeah. Those reporters at the the Washington uh, Post, Post, there were three of them. And I mean, you know, they're citing things off MedRxiv. And there's a big warning. This is just a preprint. It's not to be used for news. It doesn't mean anything. It's just to show some other scientists what's going on out there. And they were running with this like it was the, the, the gospel
1: truth. Washington Post, New York Times, the Chiron Daily, and CNN. It was fear 24 7.
2: It was generated. Yep. Over something with less than a 1% fatality rate.
1: And in children, zero. Yeah.
2: Essentially, zero. Yeah. Right. The, the small number of ch- kids that died. Unfortunately, they had terrible things wrong with them. Yep. One has so what's your crystal
1: done. ball, Dr. Hatfield? Uh, for uh, what comes next? Are they gonna um, learn? Are there gonna be lessons learned here? Or is it going to be uh, um, short, sharp shock, uh, harder and better?
2: I don't give it a, it it depends on who becomes president. Right now you have a coronavirus task force coordinator that doesn't, he can't distinguish between his front and his back on his body, Dr. Jot. I mean, yeah. how can somebody that incompetent, at least in his statements, uh, end up in such a position. It's it's political. He says the right things, they promote him.
1: Well, we could say the same about Rochelle Walensky, couldn't we?
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, she got out of Dodge and <laughs> uh, gave them all a scolding. You know, she called the employees together and said, you people dropped the ball. And, um, you course, know. None
1: of that was her fault.
2: Yeah. Well, Fauci's awesome. doing it now. Fauci's saying that, well, I never advised against lockdowns. Yeah. And he tacks his name onto a paper. You know, Jeffrey Tonnenberg is a like superior researcher. He recreated the 1918 strain. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just superb. He used to be out at the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. And uh, he's he's under Fauci now. So he writes a, a, a very good paper on, uh, you know, wh- what do we do with vac- vaccines now? and uh he had a co-worker i, I can't remember.
1: that's the paper that uh he takes uh, Fauci tacked his, sin yeah
2: fauci tacked his name into the rear of it and you know like well you know and then burks is coming out well i never thought the vaccines would work anyway yeah what
1: she just had hope yeah she's uh i think of all of the disappointments we all knew tony was tony yeah. Um, uh, but, um, given the army AIDS program, I expected more out of Deborah. Uh,
2: and, uh, that, made you know me what, a I'll, I'll, I'll give you an insider. I've never met her, but, uh a very good friend of mine knew her well at the time. Uh-huh. And, um, She's nuts. She got a hold of Scott Atlas. They uh-huh. were in the uh, Oval Office. Yeah, yeah. And Scott Atlas is saying, no, no that's, a lot of, that's a lot of nonsense, you know, we're developing herd immunity and blah, 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 blah. And she got him outside of the Oval Office and just laid into him, don't you ever correct me in front of the president? <laughs> well, this is a lady that's lost her mind. You know?
1: Yeah, or a lost perspective.
2: Or um, I don't know what she's lost or if she ever had it. Yeah. You know who I feel sorry for is is Bob Renfield. Ah. Seriously. Totally. Yes. Because he just got pushed out of everything. You know, once <laughs> – I don't want to swear.
0: You can say whatever you want, man.
2: Once you're a mess up, you know, you mess something up, what are you known for the well, rest I'd say of your an, life? Has? An AIDS
1: vaccine trial. For yeah.
2: Well, not just. The, <laughs> no, but he got blamed for the PCR uh, testing rollout that was just a complete and utter shambles. Uh-huh. So he got he gets pushed to the back of the line. He's not even allowed to come into task force meetings. And I would see him, he'd come down to uh, uh, to the uh, dining area, and I'd smile at him. And, uh, you know, you're doing all right. You're holding up. And you got the impression this was a very kind man. And he didn't know it was such a bed of snakes when they put him in there.
1: Oh, if anybody would have known, he should have known. you think so? Uh,
2: <laughs> I didn't get that impression. I, I uh, that's, sorry, not to say
1: he's, that's not to say he's not a nice guy.
2: No, he got landed with... I mean, you're talking a year or two to fix the CDC. I call it level six. You fire six (laughs) levels down and move everybody up and work with them to get it back on track. And all this social bloody nonsense that's going on that's eating up more and more of the budget. I mean, there's reasons that this happened at the CDC. And it started with this, okay, well, let's work on chronic disease. Well, that never should have been allowed. I mean... Uh, What does the NIH do? They work on chronic disease. It's mission creep. It's a mission creep. And now they've got huge budgets and they're just blowing money away left and right. I mean, I've seen it.
1: Somebody said to me the other day, what should we do with the CDC? And I said, shut it down and give it to Emory.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've got some plans. Okay. But it, um, it, it means getting the funding from all these social people and their social medicine programs. I don't mean that like communist stuff. I mean like community medicine stuff. Yeah. You know, this is some of the most unreproducible research in the world is when you start mixing sociology and medicine. Quite. I mean, because there's no standard. So Steven, no where
1: does this go? If 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 the shit hits the fan tomorrow. Um what what What's your crystal ball say?
2: Look, there's four things we should have been doing right away. One, we have 20,000 pharmaceutical compounds. Let's start testing these for antiviral property. Who would know that spironolactone actually inhibits cytomegalovirus?
1: Amen, exactly what I started doing uh, at DITRA. Yeah. Um, uh um at in in january of 2020 that's yeah. a, I we are completely aligned and that that was built on work that i had done yeah uh here i'm going to share another name that will cause you to blanch cena bavari um uh but uh i had worked with cena during zika okay uh when they had a functional high throughput uh screening lab yeah why uh, did- which now has been gutted why why was it gutted yeah uh uh, well part I know I know backstory on that okay and it's it's part of I mean RID screwed the pooch in a lot of different ways they did um they did and one of the big ones was mismanaging budget and failure to report and basically exceed uh commands uh chain of command to Ditra they they got to they were riding high Yeah. And and under Cena, they thought they were pretty immune
2: to oversight. You you remember JVAP? Oh, yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, that was not a bad idea.
1: Yeah. So so um, that there was the uh, cluster frack of the air handling in the fancy new building uh, because they had that huge foyer and they could never get the air handling right which is kind of important if you're going to have bsl3 primates um <laughs> and, well, that are was you serious eight i eight didn't eight. know that oh yeah <laughs> oh god i was i was vetted to be chief science at uh ditcher at one point i mean at, at uh uh ridd
2: um you would have been good
1: i i would have been great good. Yeah, I, I would have, or either that or they would have assassinated me. Um, uh, it was shortly after the, uh, all of the investigations about the anthrax force, oh yeah. which had just gutted morale um, yeah. at RID, uh, just destroyed yeah. morale. But there was that uh, fiasco, and then there was the financial mismanagement coupled with arrogance. And uh, there, I used to know the guy that was, uh he basically was a mole at rid uh, looking I forget what his name is. He's a young uh former uh special forces guy, I think, that served in Afghanistan. Uh,
2: uh, and, he was um, he wasn't he, there when I was.
1: No, no, I guarantee. He was he was a hardcore charger, yeah. um kind of sergeant kind of a guy. Um and uh he had uh basically Uh, DITRA and the Pentagon had placed him in a strategic position at uh, RID to uh, follow what was going on in terms of management or mismanagement in the books and everything else. And then uh, he filed his report, he got kicked up to the Pentagon, and they shut down RID. uh, That was
2: over, they lost the blow casing and they were chemically sterilizing, dumping it into the sewage. Ah. That, that was when they shut it down, and like, I mean,
1: the woman who used to run their uh, high throughput lab that Cena had recruited from uh, South Korea, she was good. Um, yeah. She left and went to Merck, uh, and um, <clears throat> but look. I'm com- we are completely aligned. And look at the I, at- I had made all kinds of progress. A lot of those agents have uh, activity against multiple viruses.
2: Yes. What's one of something, Robert? One of something is nothing. What's two of something? One. It's one. Uh-huh. When you've got a highly mutating RNA virus to go after a single antigen with a vaccine oh, it's, it's, or to use a single drug,
1: it's yeah, just- no. Yeah, precisely my,
2: uh, I- Multi-drug have the therapy. Absolutely. But look at the workload this is. We've got 20,000 compounds. We've got to test each one against 26 different viral families taking a representative virus. That's a lot of plaque assay cultures.
1: And what we were doing is using um, uh, laser confocal high-throughput microscopy. And one of the challenges is that uh, you uh, have to maintain your cell lines Yes, you have to maintain multiple cell lines because each virus has its own favored yeah. um, host, essentially, um, and you have to keep them in a similar state of growth. Yeah, uh, so that you have reproducibility from plate to plate to plate, and all the proper internal controls. And then once you work through that stuff, which is a solvable problem, if you know it's it's a question of money and competence and yeah. putting up the systems. Once you work through that, then the next level that you get to. Is looking at synergism. You know that's a dirty word in the drug screening business, but uh, let's say drug drug drug, drug Um, interactions. Yeah, and suddenly you can suddenly you can go from a concentration of ten to the minus three molar to ten to the minus six or ten to the minus seven when you're adding in other things, and that starts getting interesting. Um, and it is absolutely all doable, and it's the kind of stuff. But so this is what we started doing. Um, And I talked to Callahan about it early on in January of 2020. And he said to me, Robert, we've had all the big pharma come through. We, you know, the the big we, I assume that the we we're talking about in this context is um, uh, agency related. Uh, We've had all the big drug companies come through and uh, there is no way you can compete with them. Uh, and within about a month and a half, we had multiple agents, not the least of which was famotidine. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and the and the thing is also yeah. in this space, there's some there's some real challenges. There are libraries of millions to billions of compounds. Yeah. Um and the challenges uh Maintaining those so they all have integrity because they got to be st- stored under inert gas and frozen and blah 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 blah. Um, it's not a small challenge, but it's yeah. absolutely doable. And you it, it when to- I heard all this jibber jabber about warp speed, etc., I thought and and the um, th- that operation at uh, NIH that they set up uh, uh, with the new funds uh, that was supposed to be there a new technical group, I forget what they called it. Um, They started doing this uh, and um, they got shut down.
2: Look, we're not trying to rule out the pharmaceutical companies because there will be some viruses where we're having a a lack. Fine, that narrows the targets down for the pharmaceutical manufacturers to come up with something against those. Yeah, but the truth is, Stephen, you know it. The pharma is not the innovators here.
1: No, EIDD twenty eight hundred one was Emory Institute, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that got sold, yeah. And then it got sold again, uh, and then suddenly we had the new miracle drug for for coronavirus. Yeah. Um, uh, that it's it's the innovation is absolutely not coming out of pharma. That is. Would you give it is, to Lawrence
2: Livermore? Who would you give it to? Actually,
1: I like Lawrence Livermore a
2: lot. I like Lawrence Livermore.
1: Um, they seem to have integrity. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I, if what I ended up doing because it was feasible was directing money towards uh, Lincoln Lab. Lincoln? Because yeah. there's a there's a guy there, uh, Daryl Ricky, that is really good, uh, both in terms of computational biology and in terms of IT. I mean, he he's very comfortable playing with the, uh, uh, quantum computers that they have up there. Um, he's, he's high level brain, um, and, uh, sequence, the rice genome that, you know, uh, and, um, the problem is Lincoln lab is a hot mess in terms of its bureaucracy. It is just absolutely unworkable. And, uh, we started making great headway and then uh, leadership got nervous and stepped in and the whole thing went south, you know, in a handbasket in a, in a New York minute.
2: Um, you know, Robert, don't you think the Chinese are already doing this? Oh, absolutely! Well, they and they'll keep, the, they they'll keep the it best, classified because it's a war fighting advantage.
1: They they are the best suppliers of pharmaceutical ingredients, components, and finished pharmaceuticals in the world right now, with the possible exception of India, who we're busy seemingly doing our best to piss off.
2: Yeah, we are. We are. Why go to Pakistan? Why? Why even talk to? The, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. But, They'll put the number of people that they need on the on, on a project like this, and they'll get it done very quickly. Yeah, and they they'll classify not, it.
1: They may not comprehend what they got, but no.
2: they'll get it done. <laughs> well, they might not have a clue at all. But Robert, they'll classify it.
1: Of course. Why wouldn't they?
2: Well, this they're is not, they're we're, not. We're now stupid. talking national defense and war fighting. Yeah, absolutely. and we're sitting here arguing amongst ourselves. I'm sure they've had this program underway for some time now.
1: Oh, here's a fun one for you, Stephen. So I go down to Florida for one of these talks that we give with John Littell. I think. Yeah, yeah. And and in it, I try to give the audience an understanding of why the government would be interested in RNA vaccines. Not spinning it, not pitching it to the audience, just saying, hey, guys, you know, uh, there's all these theories uh, that, that this was actually a mass depopulation uh, strategy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just the theories go on and on. And I said, no, there's actually a a real unmet need for a rapid response capability that goes from genome to vaccine. Wouldn't that be nice? We would all like to have that Yeah. safe and effective genome to vaccine. A platform
2: that would be, I mean, we'd yeah. have the vaccine out there in, in a couple of weeks. Mass yeah. bioreactors. That, that's, that's
1: the fantasy, right? And, yeah. and so I was explaining it to people. And in the part of the talk where I was pitching what the true threat scenario was, Yeah, I mentioned that the technology has evolved to the point now where, where viruses and pathogens can be engineered yeah. so that they're relatively ethnically targeted. Okay, This is not a controversial statement, as you know. Okay, um, and uh, So John Littell gets challenged by his medical board.
2: Oh, and, poor John.
1: I and, mean, and, and you know, he lives there. Yeah, I know.
2: I, pings, I have beers with him.
1: Yeah, he, he pings me uh, because uh, um, they're challenging one of the this statement that I made. And uh, what is what is the uh, you know this this is clearly misinformation. This couldn't possibly be the case.
0: Uh, you know, this
1: medical board is challenging this, and they and they they're like, so John is writing me frantically. Um, can you please uh, give me some references for this? um uh and and i say john frankly i'm a little offended i am the goddamn expert <laughs> i know about these <laughs> things. but if they, you this... insist if you insist here's this article and this article and this article and this article and this article i this... never heard another word back but um that's it we're in an environment in which truth is
2: whatever they asserted well, here's the here's the thing with poor john He was talking, you know, these people on medical boards, they're not doctors.
0: Yeah. And this
2: was an HMO type thing. And he's telling them, essentially, you kill thousands of people by not allowing ivermectin. (laughs) So (laughs) he's picked up and taken outside. (laughs) And then they go after him. He, I, my understand. I haven't talked to him for a couple of weeks, but my understanding he's got his license back and all that. But they sent him off for mental health evaluation.
1: Just like the same strategy they did with Meryl Nass. Oh, listen, they I don't like
2: her. We're not going to talk about her.
1: <laughs> I just had a drop. Uh, yeah. They used that same strategy with uh, uh, Canadian physicians also.
2: Yeah. I, how? I mean... How do we fit? You know what?
1: Yeah. How, how do we go forward? Which is the Let's start all over.
2: Well, let's start all over again. Start from scratch. NASA, I, NASA.
1: I got to say when, when I'm confronted with this question, increasingly I have to say, frankly, folks, I think that things have progressed to such a point that we're basically going to have to burn down the house and rebuild it.
2: I'm hoping we can just burn down part of the house.
1: You are a, a eternal optimist.
2: Well, there's so much to do, Robert, and so little time to do it. Uh, I know
1: and burning. We're down not the even house doing plays right in yeah. place right into the hands of our opponents.
2: Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm past being worried. I'm, the- I'm scared.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, things are so, um, foobard, Yeah. Uh, that, uh, I, I just, I'm, I despair. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's bunker time.
2: It's been so, <laughs> it's been soul crushing to me personally to watch something I so revered. And both of us, the highest thing we could, either one of us, was to be a doctor and a scientist. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we both thought we were our,
2: we, thing, since, we, since a kid the
1: highest calling. And and we were doing, you know, literally God's work. We were doing yes. the work of of American people in a selfless environment Absolutely. in which we were paid a fraction of what we would get if we went to work for the big pharma and sell our souls. And um and we get no end of grief for it now, you know. I'm sure, you know, I get it all the time. Oh, you're controlled opposition. You've worked for the government. So that makes you the enemy, blah, blah, blah. Oh, please.
2: Robert, here's what we need in infectious disease. I'm looking at you, your eyes are in the front of your head. My eyes are in the front of the head. Carnivores have their eyes in the front of the head. Leaf eaters have their eyes on the side. And we've got too many leaf eaters in charge of things. We need some action people That'll come in and kick butt and get things back at least to where they were.
1: But who is Patton in infectious disease and rapid response and public health and pandemic preparedness? Is it uh you know Rick Bright? Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> is, is it uh who's the guy at Sepi? I forget his name. Um is another agency hack. Um uh, you know he who, you know these these what passes for leadership these days is, uh, you know, sycophants.
2: I would pick the people that were the most outspoken, both in favor of early drug treatment and against the vaccines, because everybody suffered. You've suffered, poor George Fahid. Yes. What- kind, good doctor. I mean, my God, I want him as my doctor. Yeah. And they just put up with it and wouldn't shut up because they knew they were right. These are men with eyes in the front of their head and character. And that's what we need back in charge of things. People that it, aren't afraid. It's,
1: your example is, what is right. So George should have retired. Oh, I know. George, George is old school, Harvard trained, hardcore, the way docs used to be. Yep. And those are the only ones that seem to have been. Fearless. Right.
2: It's such. such a kind man. Yeah, uh, so absolutely.
1: Kind. Yeah. And Brian Tyson also gets mm-hmm. a shout yes, out. Yes,
2: absolutely. He really got hammered.
0: Yep. Freed was and, just on here. And our much
2: bunted CDC calling it a horse pill. Oh, my God. Well, an FDA. Um, yeah, FDA. so
1: that that's the other that's the real, you know, CDC, we could say, I, I think, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, CDC get thee back to thy core mission, you know, which is reporting data. It's collecting and reporting data. That's their mission, guys, okay? um, they added the prevention. Um, and the
2: control- that was their, their sociology, medical, community medical programs. and uh, it's but, chewing up an enormous budget.
1: Yeah, and, and, and accomplishing uh, nothing. Yeah, how, how much groundbreaking research have you seen coming out of the CDC? Um, exactly. uh, so that's that could be dealt with by saying, um, you've, you've had excessive mission creep and uh, we're gonna put you back on the straight and narrow on a yeah. diet and get rid of some of the fat. Yeah. Um FDA oh. when you look at Peter Marks Peter Marks will say good morning to the sun or good morning to the night I mean uh stealing from Elton John if yeah. uh um if somebody tells if somebody in pharma wants him to he will he will say and do anything. There's a statement where he acknowledges that uh the immune imprinting is going on. Yeah. Uh and the uh, elicitation of tolerance consequent to over-vaccination. He knows that's happening. Yeah. And he doesn't
2: care. Get it anyway. Yeah. We need people, men of character, eyes in the front of their head.
1: Yeah, but how, I mean, would you want to work for the FDA? I'm like. Yeah, I'd chill? go in there
2: to fire half their people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and if you can't fire them, I'd stick them in a big office building with one phone and no one ever phones them <laughs> Underground. until they're bored to death.
1: Underground preference. <laughs> yeah. So I, I uh... and then there's the NIH, which is just bloated beyond belief.
2: But the concept is so wonderful. And it's just been a total shambles of leadership for so long. NIH is one of the most, you spent time there, didn't you?
1: Um, Only, not
2: officially, but uh, through working
1: at Dineport and then through some okay. of my associates. I well, mean, I, one I did an IR... I love here's, here's a fun fact for the audience about NIH. Yeah. If tomorrow they decide that there's a program that they want, they get together and they have a power and they say, holy moly, if we had a program in X. Yeah. Um, in uh, in a solution for this, we could save millions of American lives. Right? Yeah. It would take them five bloody years. Oh, it yeah, would, the paperwork. To get that To get the funding for that out the door. Yeah. Five years.
2: Yeah, you're right. I've seen it. Yeah. No, that is the number. But the talent that's there with proper leadership and harvesting it for relevant problems. I mean, I did an IRTA fellowship there. And I'd just come back from Oxford. And I sat there with my, like that emoji with the eyes that are all in surprise, uh-huh. Uh-huh. looking at, I mean, this lab has its own mass spectrometer. Everybody's got a flow cytometer.
1: I mean, oh, my God, oh, there's yeah, no reason the toys, to not. The toys just don't stop.
2: Yeah, uh, but, but I, there's no reason to fail here.
1: Or, or here's another one. The Vaccine Research Center, uh, which uh, was founded uh, with the blessing of David Baltimore yeah. uh, um, uh, to create an AIDS vaccine. That yeah. was their sole purpose for being. And then talk about Mission yeah. uh, uh That one got expanded. Uh, never produced a viable vaccine um, that was licensed and technically still hasn't. Um, and, uh, um, what, what are they good for? They have unlimited budget. They can spend and do whatever they want.
2: Pretty much.
1: Yeah. And they were set up basically as a government version of ViCal, a government version of a San Diego biotech.
2: Okay.
1: Um, and, uh, Gary Nabel was put in there by David Baltimore, Gary Nabel, a former David Baltimore postdoc. Mm -hmm. To to run the place, uh, and um, uh, no no moss, nothing came out of there. Yeah. and and the guys that had their fingerprints on this uh, mRNA product, uh, pretty much have all retired, um, yeah. with a very nice paycheck uh, because of the royalties. Yeah. Um. What what the hell is that operation going to do now? And now they have another institute, right? You know about ARPA-C no oh yeah uh, so the intelligence community has managed to get their hooks oh
2: the yeah h- yeah, yeah. no no yeah uh, RPA h yeah 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 yep yeah, bug save us so you've got poor leadership directing poor leadership that's gonna work
1: and uh, um and ulterior motives uh, on top of all that. Surreptitious ulterior motives like uh, um, uh, the uh, Neuralink and biometrics.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So where does this go? You're the man with the crystal ball. I'm just a a lieutenant here, uh, Colonel.
2: We're going to get, if if we don't get some stuff going, you know, we now have the technology. We didn't three years ago. But we can make a breathalyzer device now. You blow into it, reusable thing that'll tell you, you have a viral infection in your lungs. Do you know what a boom that would be? And I'm sure we can get something down to this size that'll fit on your car chain. We have the technology to do that now. Nobody's working on it. We had NASA trying to do it in 2020, they gave up. But we now have some serious technology. Let's start funding this. I don't need to know what virus it is in the middle of a pandemic. You've got all the signs of an upper airway viral infection. Blow into this. You've got all the SOS volatile chemicals being released from your airway. Right, I'm exactly. going to treat you with two or three of these drugs at this mass screen. This, is, this is a.
1: This is a. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and looks like a duck, it's probably a duck.
2: When you hear hoof beats, you think of zebras, not canaries.
1: Right.
2: Right. Yeah. The the basic medicine that was drilled into us as, as students. Yeah.
1: So so your version of uh, pandemic preparedness uh, 2.0 is uh, clean house um, uh, infusion of new tech yep and uh, um, a, a new uh, instead of the yellow Berets, a new green beret cadre of uh, mini patents uh, that are are willing and able to come in and operate, Uh, in a semi-autonomous fashion.
2: Yeah. But one more important thing. No one has focused on the local communities. If every little... I'm from a town of 18,000 people. I phoned them. Uh, How many dead bodies can you handle? Uh, Three. 18,000 people. Well, 40% mortality... Birds, I'll be like this there's you know there's nasty things out there uh well okay now we're stacking bodies up (laughs) training a civil (laughs) defense program it's
1: time to get out the big excavator
2: yeah (laughs) Uh, uh, hence from the old 1950s 60s civil defense program my little town had a civil defense office And it had the Geiger counters and this and that, and the boxes of crackers and the sealed water. We put that in the post office, which is the only brick building in town, like sturdy. And if we'd ever got fallout from Chicago, we could do something for 14 Ah,
1: So you're you're also advocating for decentralized capabilities. Oh, yeah. Focus on the local
2: authorities. Make your foundation the local authorities. If they can handle their medical surge and their deaths, they can build on top of it. They can handle other things. Link that up to the counties, counties to state, state to federal.
1: So, at, at one level, uh, new tech. Yes. But in another level, um, old tech. Yes. Old tried and true. Yes. Treat the patient, uh, yes. triage, uh, management, uh, alternate treatment management. center. Yeah.
2: Keep the hospital free of infection so it can continue to do its normal hospital stuff. Okay, Rapid. so
1: who's who's going to be calling you? Is it going to be Bobby Kennedy or is it going to be Donald J. Trump or is it going to be uh, um, uh, Mr. DeSantis?
2: I don't know. Probably the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I cracked myself up. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I got to go, Robert. It's <laughs> well, Wonderful to well, see you, sir.
1: Likewise. Uh, thanks for the chance. Fantastic Jeff, to see you. Tommy, thanks for the chance to put us together. Uh, another well done. Well, yeah,
0: Tommy. Great, great job, man. Thank you, sir. And uh, yeah, you can always tell it's a good podcast. I was looking at the stream counter. I stopped talking at 12 minutes in. I haven't said a word in 51 minutes. And that's how I know it's a good show is because I shut my mouth uh-huh. and let you guys talk. That's We're like, a self
2: generating oh,
0: party. You got, no, it is. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's great. I, just, I, just, I put the fire together and I watch it go. <laughs> Everyone's Navarro
1: uh, Navarro wants me to move down to Palm Beach. I just can't uh, afford to keep uh, 20 horses on Palm Beach. So it's just going to
2: have to. Well, you know what? I'm in Ocala and I'll find you some cheap places to keep them.
1: I Ocala is uh, absolutely on the short list of uh, potential places except in the summer. You need to get your ass buggy.
2: You You need to get your ass associated with Peter. You know, yeah. I worked with him under stress for for a year and I worship the guy. Yeah, seriously, He's, he gets stuff done.
1: Actually, he I recall him calling uh, um, in to uh, all Yeah. Early in the outbreak. Yeah. Thinking, uh suppliers of hydroxy and and what what volume could we manufacture domestic
2: yeah. rather than having to import uh, well, you know india shut us off eventually they they well, china shut us off for their own people
1: which which mirrors what uh freaked out obama when um the uh um embargo was placed on the h1n1 vaccine yeah uh it triggered his whole investment in the adms which should yeah. be another fiasco yeah. yeah yeah let's do this again Tommy, this time, yeah, this time Tommy. you
0: gotta you gotta be more involved. I know. Yeah. I I know. I, I I sometimes I when you and when you and Roseanne Barr were on, she was a uh, what did she say? Ten minutes in, she goes, "Shut up, young man," and I just shut up for the next hour. I was just like, <laughs> she told me to shut up. I shut my mouth. Um, no, nah, man, people people are here to listen to you guys talk. I run my mouth enough. I'm I'm smart enough to know how smart I'm not, and I know what you guys are, and I know I'm not. So you guys get talking. Oh, come I, on, Tommy.
1: Which, come which, on. Means, which means, Tommy, that you have You're wisdom smart. beyond your years.
0: <laughs> you have much wisdom beyond I your know, years. I know, I, sh- I know when I shut my mouth. Um, Dr. Malone, Dr. Hatfield. Guys, if you go into the description, you can find a link to Dr. Malone's book, uh, Lies My Government Told Me, and Dr. Hatfield's book, Three Seconds Till Midnight. And Dr. Hatfield's got another book coming out later this year. It's not back yet. And also, if you go into the description, you can find Dr. Malone's Twitter, get her Substack. <laughs> all that good stuff. Gentlemen, I would love to do it again. Um obviously my podcast is y'all's platform and what I just what did I just do? I just did something. Um thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys for uh, coming on here and uh I look forward to the next one. Be good, Tommy. Good to see you Tommy.
2: Good to see you Robert. Always good to see you.
0: Thank you okay. so much, gentlemen. Guys, God bless. Recording Stay safe. Stopped. Much love. Peace.